Father God, I just pray that today we would be people here today who are expectant for you to, cha to change us. And those here who've come along and maybe just come along for the first time, I, I pray that you would change their life. For those of, you, for those of us, God, who have, you've brought along, who come all the time, I pray that you'll change our lives. I pray that that'll happen no matter whether they're a, a small group leader, a, a pastor here, a visitor here. I pray that we will expect that you would change lives today. God, I don't know this group of people, but you know them intimately. You know everything about them. So I ask that your word would go out and by your spirit, you would change lives today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you could choose anyone in the world to be introduced to, if you could meet anyone in the world, who would it be? You know, I had a whole list, it's really funny because when I first wrote this talk, I had a list of people. I'm like, you know, you want to meet this actor, this, this person, this celebrity. I wrote, and I wrote down in my original time when I wrote this talk, I wrote, who do you want to meet? You can pick anyone. You can pick the President of the United States. I thought, oh, I'm not going to say that this weekend. Right? Some of you may be like, no, I'm, pretty, I'm all right, pass. Right? But, you know, who, who is it? If you could meet anyone in the world, who do you want to meet? I mean, have you ever met anyone who has... That you, could, that, that you reckon you could be introduced to that would change your life forever. I mean, I, when I met my wife, I did not understand the significance, the significance of that day. So those, those of you who are married right now, if you're sitting next to someone you're married to, give them a nudge and say, that was a significant day. <laughs> right. You know, that was a big, big day for me. And now, you know, I did not, as I look back at it, now we've got four little children, by the way. Um, Eight-year-old, six-year-old, four-year-old, and two-year-old, two boys and two girls. And now as we look back at that, it's like almost like a dream. And you can kind of like, you can hardly even remember what life looked like before that. If there's anyone that could change your life, who would it be? You know, it's funny, when you go through, that, that's a pretty significant relationship, obviously. That's a big one. But there's probably some relationships that uh, some, some parts of your life when you meet someone and it's like not as big a deal, but when you're young, it's kind of a really, really big deal. So for example, when I was young, uh, see, I'm, I didn't play heaps of sport. I'm Asian. Asians don't play much sport. I mean, we, play, we play ping pong, you know, like <laughs> chess. Do you call chess a sport? No, no. Anyway, but, uh, you know, we, we, I, played a little bit, I played a little bit of tennis, actually, just a little bit of tennis when I was in high school. And um, when I was playing a bit of tennis in that time, uh, I was actually nuts about this tennis player. And I'm too old for most of you to actually, or some of you might remember this tennis player. I'm, I'm very, very unlikely. But this tennis player, he was crazy. Uh, he's a, he, he played ages ago. And he was, I love this guy, mostly because... I mean, he was tall. I mean, and every Asian aspires to tall people, right? So this guy is tall, and he, was, he had this huge serve. And one of the best things about this guy was his accent. So like at the end of a match, people, I just, we'd always, my brother and I, we went to tennis, we just waited for the end of the match when the, when the commentator or whatever would go up and ask him, you know, how do you, how do you find the match? And, he, and he's this Croatian, Croatian guy, and he had this excellent accent. It was awesome. So we'd be like, how's the match? He'd go, he'd just say, and he had minimal words. So he'd just go in the mic and we'd go, it was good. It was just the best, right? And you're just like, that was so, so good. And so my brother and I were obsessed with this guy named, and none of you remember him, but his name was Goran Ivanisevich. 
Does anyone have ever heard of a guy named Goran Ivanovich? Look, there we go. There's the age breakdown of the church right now. You just split the church just like that. So here's what Goran looks like on the screen. So this really, really tall guy. There he is winning Wimbledon. And if you show just the next one. Here he is. So leave that up. There's Goran Ivanovich. Now, this guy, man, he was off the chart. I mean, like he was tall, pretty good looking, you know, had a, had a beard. Every Asian aspires to guys can get beards as well. And so, so like, I'm just like, look at this man, right? And so my brother and I, when we play, we would always pretend to be Goran. And like, you know, we'd hit forehands. And like, if I hit a winner, I'd be like, take that. You know, like it was just the, it was the best, best, best. Now, you know, I'll never forget the day. I mean, ever, ever forget the day when... Uh, I just got my first part-time job, uh, and I had to, it was a big deal because I got to wear a suit, got to go to the city. I was working in the Securities Investment Commission, and that was in Martin Place, and it shared the um, same building with the Western Hotel. Now, I won't ever forget this day. This, I mean, like, oh, come on, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to have some happy moments just now thinking about it. Like, this day was the day when I was coming down the lift, and um, I'll never forget this moment, because it was a time when the thing, there was a tournament on called the Masters Comp. And the Masters Competition is a, is a, a, a competition where uh, only the top 10 tennis players in the world are invited to play. You've got to be in the top 10 to even be invited. That's a big deal comp. And so Goran was in the top 10, was ranked like six or something. And there was, was a lot of excitement amongst tennis fans. And I'll never forget that day, because I came down the lift... And I remember that moment when the lift door opened and I looked out of the lift. I'm just enjoying this so much <laughs> right now. And the door opened. I mean, I've had some big moments. Marrying my wife. Birth of my kids is not bad too. And there it was, right? <laughs> the doors open, right? One guy's very happy today. I'm liking it. <laughs> I'm liking it. Come on, keep those laughs going, right? And so what happened is the door opens and that opens there and I look and I can't believe there's two guys about five meters away from me. The first guy I saw was actually a shortish guy and he didn't have heaps of hair and I looked at him and he's, he, I, looked, I looked and I looked twice. I'm like, I am positive that is a guy named Andre Agassi. And Andre Agassi was standing right there and then I looked at him. He was talking to this tall guy. And I looked and I just felt that moment like I was in a dream. There was Andre Agassi, and he was talking right there to Goran Ivanovic, my absolute, my tennis hero. And I, he, Goran Ivanovic was five meters away from me, and I don't know what came over me. It was like a magnet. I just was in autopilot. I just started walking. Right? And there is Goran and Andre Agassi. I'm just walking to Goran, and I didn't know what to do. And I walked like Goran was standing where this pulpit is, a bit taller than that pulpit. And I, and I walked right up, and I just there and looking at his chest, and I just walked like autopilot. I just stood there and just went. Nothing came out, and that's very unusual for me, right? Stuff comes out of my mouth quickly, and I went up, and I just, I stood there, and nothing came out, and he just kind of turned, and he looked at me, and like, why is this strange Asian man looking at me? And I'm there, and nothing came out. So all I did was, I just mustered some strength, and I said, I squeaked out, hello, Goran. And this moment, he just turned to me, and he looked at me, and our eyes connected, and he said, Hello. Oh, man. That moment, it's like, it was like a first date, right? Like, it was so nice. And so I was there in his turn and he said, hello. And I just walked off and I'm like, huh. and I ran off, man. And I just, I got on my phone. I texted my brother and I said, 
bro, you are not going to believe who I just met. And he's like, who? And I went, Goran Ivanizovic, we are going to play tennis tonight. I'll see you in the court that whole night, man. I was acing him, and I was like, take that. I was, I was, I was, man, I was speaking in permanent Croatian accent, and I was having so much fun. And I'll tell you what, I was, it really kind of influenced me. I was so fired up, but I'll never, ever forget the next day. Oh, the next day, I mean, I was fired up. I went to work, and I was telling everybody I was telling everyone about this thing. I was like, man, Goran Izovic is staying in this building. I'm, I'm telling you, he's here. He's in the building. And what happened was, um, I, I'll never forget this moment. I went in the lift. And we come down, five, four, three, two, level one, ground level. And this moment, the lift door opens. And I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. On the other side of the lift door, as the door opens, was a very tall Croatian man. And as the door opens, I look and I could not believe it. Standing right there on the other side of the door was Goran Ivanovic, two days in a row. And there he was, and I'm telling you, I'm, I'm in heaven right now. I'm in heaven. And so what I did, I mean, all I did was quickly, I, I, as he walked in the lift, I went, I went, hello, Goran. And you listen to this, ready? He said two words to me, ready? Hello, again. He said again. Did you hear that? He said again, like, like we're like basically best friends now, like my mate Goran. He said again, I'm texting my brother, he said again, right? We, he remembers me, like we're so close. Anyway, so what happened was, I mean, this was crazy. I was so excited. And then the next day I went to work, I thought, this is ridiculous. I mean, this was just the best two days of my life. Goran, two days in a row. And so what I did was, like you would, I'm sure, is... Uh, I packed the camera just in case, right? You never know. Three days, I mean, like, I mean, every Asian's got to take a photo, otherwise it doesn't happen, right? It's the rule, right? And so what happens is the I take a camera. And so I take the camera and I go get to the lunch break and I grab a newspaper out in the way to sort of read about the tournament, what's going on. And as uh, the lift comes down, I'm thinking, this is it. This is it. And so I'm watching the lift go down. I just remember it's like five, four, three. Please, Jesus, come on. You know, he's got to be there. Two. One. Gets to level G. G for Goran. And I get down. And I get level ground. The door opens. No Goran. Yep, I felt it. It was sad. I walked out of the lift. And I walked out, opened up the newspaper. No Goran today. I had my camera with me just in case. No Goran. I walked out. I walked out onto Pitt Street. I turned right onto Pitt Street. And as I turned right onto Pitt Street, and as I was walking out, I opened, up, I opened up the newspaper. And guess what? Headline on the sports section. Goran out of the Masters injured. And I was like, no, my mate, my poor mate is injured. And so what happens is, he, injured in quite a funny way, sad way actually, he slipped in the shower that night, night before, and it hurt his big toe. So it says, Goran's big toe hurt, right? And so I'm like, damn, that, that's, that's a big deal. And so what happened was, I'm like, Goran's out of the masters, this is so sad. And as I walk to the traffic lights, no joke, as I walk to the traffic lights, no joke. I mean, I'm telling you, this is getting right up against the birth of my kids now. Like, we're talking about a big moment. And I was there at the traffic lights reading the newspaper about Goran, and a big shadow casts over me. And as I turn to my left, I look into this man's chest at the traffic lights, and then I hear this word first. Hello again. He said hello to me first. It was Goran in at the lights. I could not believe it. He said hello to me first. And nothing came out of my mouth again. So I froze. I'm looking at him. I'm going, I can't believe he's hello to me first. So I said to him, all I could think of was I said, how's your toe? And he said, 
it hurts. And that was it, man. That was the moment. I was so happy. And I'll tell you what, just so you know, this is what happened next. Uh, pop it on. There it is. Me and my mate Goran. Got my photo. It did happen. There it is. There it is. You know what? That was amazing. And um, uh, you can, that, was, that was Goran for me. I mean, that was a big, big day. Meeting Goran was famous. But can you imagine meeting Jesus? I mean, can you just imagine meeting Jesus? Jesus is, hands down, the most famous person in all of history. More songs have been written about Jesus. More art has been painted about Jesus. More books have been written about Jesus than about anyone who has ever lived. Our calendars orientated around Jesus' life. Can you imagine what it would be like to meet Jesus. But forget imagining what it'd be like to meet him. Can you imagine what it'd be like if Jesus came and introduced himself to you? I mean, just get your head around that. What would it be like if Jesus came and introduced himself to you? And today's story that Matt read for us is a story that we kind of might hear and think, oh, that's just kind of normal. But I'm telling you, there is so much of this story that you won't believe because it happened to a guy. And there was this one man who we're going to hear about named Zacchaeus. And many of you know the story, but you may not know it at the kind of level that we're kind of going to dip into today. Because for this man, Jesus chose and he came to introduce himself to him and his whole life turned upside down. And, you know, for Zacchaeus, he kind of thought it was just like an ordinary day probably. But he did not realize that a meeting was about to happen where his life would never, ever be the same again. And I'm going to tell you straight up right now, I'm not, I'm not going to muck around. I mean, I only get to hang out with you once for like, you know, 40 minutes of my life, maybe hopefully some more. But I'm going to tell you this. And it, so I want to go, kind of go straight for it. You ready? Permission, Matt, to just kind of go. Oh, got the thumbs up in the front row. Here it is. I'm talking here to every single person in these seats in this building. Because you might have just come along thinking, this is just an ordinary day of church or just another thing I'm supposed to do on Sunday, or this is just what I do, or someone invited me along and this is what I'm going to go along to. But you may not realize that today, today is going to be a day where you meet someone named Jesus and your life changes forever. And you may be thinking, what, really, today? I'm feeling pretty sleepy today. Really, it's not a very special day, pretty normal. I'm saying, no, maybe it's today. You know, the day I met my wife, pretty unspectacular day. I mean, it was spectacular. Careful, careful, careful. Right, it was spectacular, but it was also unspectacular. It was a normal day, right? When you get up in the, in the morning, you don't kind of think, I'm about to meet the, the future mother of my children, right? You just kind of go along and life happens. And maybe this could be one of those days for you because it was for Zacchaeus. Because I tell you what, you know, the Zacchaeus story actually starts with a very, um, look, I, I, dare I say it, it's quite a boring first sentence. You know, I mean, I love the scriptures, don't get me wrong. But I mean, look, let me, let me read you the first verse, ready? And then Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. <laughs> now, if there is a not inspiring verse, I bet you, not many of you are going to put that verse on your Facebook tonight, right? Right? Instagram, awesome picture of us in Enmore Theatre. And Jesus entered Jericho and passed through, right? <laughs> I mean, who's, what is going on? In fact, there's actually a lot going on in that verse. Heaps. Heaps. What? Yeah, heaps. I'll tell you what's going on. Jericho, what you've got to understand is this, Jericho is on the way to Jerusalem. And you might think, yeah, so what? What's so big deal? Great, geography. No, no, let me tell you more. 
Jericho was not on the way to Jerusalem, because if you're on the way up towards Jerusalem, all the major trading routes, every single trading route on the way to the big, big town of Jerusalem, every single thing has to pass through Jericho. Now you might be thinking, okay, I didn't know that, and I'm telling you why that's so significant. It means that every single place, all these little roads on the way to Jericho, to Jerusalem, go through Jericho, and all the way along each of these roads, there's something that you may not realize. Historians will tell you this, how it works. Along the way, on the roads that you're passing through to Jericho, there's all these little uh, tax-collecting booths. Why would they put tax collecting booths there? Of course, because every single person, every single uh, uh, um, group of travelers, every single merchant is all walking through, and so the taxes happen on that. Now, let me ask you a question. Uh, let's just check your kind of Bible history for a second. Let's see how we're going here. Which, which nationality group is in charge uh, right now in this time? Who, who's running the, who's running the, who, who's, in, who's boss? The Romans, that's right. So the Romans are there. And so what would happen is the Romans would set up all these taxation booths all along the way. And the thing that would really drive the Jewish people absolutely nuts is this. They hated the Romans being in charge, yeah? You've heard this before. They hated the fact that the Romans were in charge. They're like, this is ridiculous. But what was a real insult is this. What was a real insult is that the Romans would put Jewish people, who the Jewish people would call kind of essentially defectors, traitors, who would work for the Romans, and they would go and, and they would become the tax collectors, ripping people off as they came through. So in other words, can you imagine how that would feel? It would be like people being betrayed by their own people. They'd be kind of going through and they'd be like, I know this guy, he's meant to be one of us, and he's like going, let me take some money for the Romans to remind you that you're not in charge, even though I'm meant to be your brother. And on top of that, I'll pocket a little bit, put in my pocket as well. That's why every time you go through Scripture and you hear they hated the tax collectors, that's why they hated them. They hated them not just because they were cheats. They hated them because they were betrayers. You got me? Not if you're with me. Who's with me? Got it. Good. And so what happens is, all the way through, I mean, this was a disaster. All the way through all these roads to Jericho, everyone would hate it because Jericho is the big tax collecting center. But even on the roads up, there'd be like all these toll booths all the way through. I mean, like, you know, on the way here, I was running late today because my three-year-old hid my car keys. That's another whole story. Said, oh my gosh, that was bad. I was right at the house. I'm like, car keys, where are the car keys? And no one was home except for me, so I needed to get the car keys. I found them buried underneath this much piles of craft paper on the kids' craft table. I mean, like, that was the Lord intervening. I'm telling you, I don't know why I even looked there, but I tell you what, I was late. And you know what I had to do? I was going to take the long way because I'm late and I'm coming from Carlington. That was a solid trek. M2, Lane Cove Tunnel. It's coming, right? And I'm telling you, right, I don't know how you feel when you drive, but every time that thing goes beep, beep on the way through, Right? I mean, like, I cannot believe it. I'm going through, like, beep, beep, there goes my meal. There's my lunch. So I go, beep, 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 like $9.50. What do you mean $9.50? How can there be $9.50 for that beep? You know, I was like, it's ridiculous. So every time you go through those toll booths, you know what it feels like, right? You're like going through, beep, beep, and you kind of ignore it, ignore it. Beep, beep, oh, there goes another one, right? This is a shocker. And all that kind of, maybe it's just my Asianness. I just don't like losing money. But what happens is, right, that whole thing, that whole feeling, like, beep, 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 is an absolute ripoff. You're like, oh, ripoff. How did that happen? All the way through on the way to Jericho, it's like beep, 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 beep. And people are just like, I can't believe this. Until you get to Jericho, which is even worse. Because what happens is you're ready beep, beep, all the way through and you're getting ripped off by your brothers all the way through, all the way through on those roads until you get to Jericho and then they load on the biggest taxes. That's why when you get to verse 2, you meet a man 
it says in verse 2, you, there was a man, of chapter 19, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a what? Who can tell me? A what tax collector? Work with me. He was a? He was a chief tax collector. What that means is this. All these little toll booth beep, beep, beep people who are ripping you off, all of them work for one guy. And this guy is a Jewish man. He's the worst of the worst because he's the big boss. And he sits in Jericho. And in Jericho, he's not just a tax selector, he's big boss tax selector. And so he is the biggest guy, the guy who rips people off, unbelievable. Now, I want you to get a feel for this, um, this guy. It says he was a chief tax selector and he was rich. He was rich off profiting and ripping people off. Now, historians also talk about what, what this was like. You know, Zacchaeus' name, this is unbelievable. Now, I'll get you to do some participation with me. Ready? Break some manners in a second. Here it is. You know that Zacchaeus was hated so much that his name was hated so much, the name Zacchaeus, that any time anyone even said or referred to his name Zacchaeus, you know what Jewish people would do? No, no, what context you might be in a party and someone said, oh yeah, it went through and then I saw Zacchaeus. You know what everyone would do? Everyone would spit. So what would happen? It would just be a historic, the historian say, this is what happened. So like, you know, you'd say the word Zacchaeus and everyone, like, pff, pff, everyone make a spitting sound. Ready? One, two, three, go. Ah, oh, gross. I can't believe you did that. Look at that. And so what happened is, <laughs> so Zacchaeus would go through and every time, any time anyone walked, so people would go through and any time anyone went past Zacchaeus, they'd be like, pff, 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 and people were spitting and everyone would say the word, ah, oh, Zacchaeus, and, and they'd be in a conversation like, pff, pff, everyone would spit. That's how much, they, the stage is getting a bit wet here. So, and they were like, they actually hated him. He was a horrific man. And verse 3 is fascinating. Because something happened to this man that day. And this line is the key line. If you've been sleeping so far, what you need to do is you need to wake up. Because this line is the key line. Verse 3 says this. Not only was he a chief collector and he was rich in verse 2, but verse 3 says this. He was trying to see who Jesus was. He was trying to see who Jesus was. Here's the key. I want to get real with you guys today at Anchor, and I just want to tell you this. The key bit of this story is that something happened to that man Zacchaeus that day, and I don't really know, I, don't, I can only guess, but all I can guess is, presumably is that God somehow was working in his heart that morning. He would have got up thinking this is just any old day that he's going to go and collect taxes. Except that day, for some reason, this man, for some reason, this man wanted to see who Jesus was. I don't know where you're at. As I pray to start, I don't even know almost all of you. I don't know where you stand with God. I don't know whether you've walked away from Him. I don't know whether you've been coming along to church for ages, but you've never really made a serious commitment. I don't know where you're at with God. I don't have any clue, but I'll tell you who does. God does. God knows where exactly each of you are. There's no pretending with Him. He knows everything. He knows your heart. He knows my heart. He knows everything about you. But the thing that I need to know about you today, or I want you to know about yourself is this. Are you someone here today who is trying to see who Jesus is? And I don't mean just like for the first time. Now some of you are tuning out going, great, that's for the other people who don't know who Jesus is. Yet. No, I'm saying all of us. Are you trying to find out more? about who Jesus is and what kind of claim he has over your life? Are you, trying, are, you, are, you, are you refusing to settle today for the thought that you had about who Jesus was before you walked in these doors? 
Because today is that day, and I wonder whether some of you today just needs to move up that scale. Like, I mean, I don't know where it is. Maybe for Jesus, you're just like, I've got no idea who Jesus is. Maybe you're here. Maybe you're like, you know what, I'm kind of interested, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really not that keen to talk about it. I'm here because someone told me I'm meant to come along today, so I did. Or kind of, I, I used to kind of know a bit about Jesus, but I've really kind of stopped connecting with him in to- totally. You know what, maybe you're up here. Maybe you're like, you know what, I can... I, I know I'm supposed to know who Jesus is, but I'm not really, you know, I, I'm happy to, people outside around me think I know, know who Jesus is, and I'm happy to keep that facade up, but deep down in my heart, I know I don't have a relationship with him. Maybe you're kind of up here, maybe you're like, look, I already do, but I want to grow more in him. I don't know where you are. If I walk up that scale, where are you today? Where are you at when it comes to where you, where you, how much you want to see Jesus? Because my hope and my prayer is that you're moving up that way. You're moving up that way today. Are you trying to see who Jesus was? Now, this is where the story gets really fun. This is where the story gets really fun. Because the first part of verse 3 says, he was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was not able to for two reasons. The first reason of is pretty expected. When Jesus was there, there were huge crowds. So he's not able to see Jesus because of these crowds. I want you to imagine this. Jesus walking up on the roads, and there are crowds and crowds, crowds of people following him. There's no chance people like, I mean, you may be like, you know, in row like 75, you know, or maybe 130, and you're just trying to catch a little glimpse of him as he goes past. But not only that, he was not able to see Jesus because of the crowd. Secondly, he was not able to see Jesus because, and this is really fun, because he was a short man. I mean, this little guy, this is the key. I'm not sure who you're picturing. Sometimes, you know, like um, when I, I, I'll admit to you something. I, sometimes I just do something fun when I read the Bible and I just think, you know what? If I was to make a movie out of this passage and I was going to call it Zacchaeus, the movie, who would I cast in that? So like, you know, this is going to show my age because I don't really know who's, you know, in now. But, you know, like, back in my day when we were watching TV anyway, like, the kind of, I'll tell you who I'm going to cast as a case. I'm going to cast either this guy, if you know who he is. I'm going to cast this guy. This guy is a case, definitely, right? This guy, can you imagine this guy? I mean, oh, either this guy or maybe this guy. This guy. This guy is a case, right? See, and so, like, I mean, what's, we laugh, we're all laughing instantly. What is it about these two guys that's put on that you instantly laugh? And you know what? The picture of Zacchaeus in the story, you meant to instantly laugh because, I mean, you're picturing little Danny DeVito or whatever, kind of, you know, running around. There's like this crowd. Can you imagine it? There's this massive crowd following Jesus. There's no chance. And there's Zacchaeus, kind of. <laughs> You know, trying to kind of get in there, running around, trying to sneak in. And, you know, he can't do it. He's trying to work out, how do I see who Jesus is? He really actually wants to see, but he's this little guy, right? And this, he wasn't even Asian, right? He's a little guy, right? And he's there and he's like sneaking in and he's like jumping up and he's like, how do I get in here? How am I going to have a look? You know, and everywhere he walks, you know, people are like, oh, there's a kid. People are spitting at him, right? And so what's happening is he's there and so this moment is excellent. Because in verse 4, he's got an idea. And Zacchaeus, in verse 4, running ahead, running ahead, he climbs up a sycamore tree to see Jesus. What a great idea. He thinks, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to climb up this tree. Now, I don't know much about trees uh, and different types of trees. I'm not a, what are those people who know things about, a what? Ecologist or botanist? Botanist. Botanist. Yeah, botanist. I don't know. I'm making it up. I'm not a botanist. Botanist. I'll tell you what I am. I can't even say that word. All right. You know what? All right. Here's the deal. 
sycamore tree. I don't know what it was, but you know what? Ages ago, when I'd just gotten married um, and I didn't have kids yet, we backpacked South America. And my wife and I, and I took a, sorry, it's a pretty bad photo, but I just saw this tree and it was the weirdest tree. I saw this tree and there's all these people sitting underneath this tree. And I thought, what is that tree? So I went over and looked at the label and the label underneath the tree said sycamore tree. So I took this photo. Here, have a look at this. This is a sycamore tree. Look at that. Can you see that? Look at that tree. There's all these people sitting under this sycamore tree. And I'm like, look at those long branches, right? And so that's what a sycamore tree looks like. You got the feel for it? So it's kind of, I mean, anyone climb trees when they were young? Who like climbing a tree? That's a, you know, those, those, those trees that are hard to climb? That's a climbing tree, right? That is an epic climbing tree. You put my kids in there, they will disappear for a long time. And, and, and just don't give them my car keys. I'm still hung up on my car key problem. But what happens is, can you imagine this? So there's the keys. You can take it off now. So there's the keys. And he goes up that tree. And can you imagine? I mean, like, I want you to picture it. Jesus is coming. And there's the keys. Little man. He runs because I've got, a, I've got an idea. He gets up to the tree and he climbs up that little trunk. And he gets out in one of those long branches. And he comes out and he's, I mean, I want you to picture this. This is this guy and he's climbing out and he gets right up along that thing. And he's like, gets on that thing. And he's like holding up and he's, he's hugging like he's holding this tree. I know I'm holding a pulpit, by the way. But anyway, it's a nice pulpit. Brian built it. Okay. And he's holding this thing and he's, he's holding the tree and he's looking down. So I want you to picture this. Not this, this is not Zacchaeus up in like a gum tree, you know, 20 meters up in like a koala. He's up there hanging over, hanging over the, hanging over the edge and he's there. And he's hidden there amongst the leaves. And he's there and he goes, I've got this. And this thing's right above the path. And there comes the crowd. And he's there and he's holding the tree. And Zacchaeus is there and Jesus is getting closer. Closer. Almost there now. Hang on tight. No one can see him. He's up in the leaves. And Jesus is coming really close now. And Zacchaeus just wants to get that glimpse. He's going to have it. He's got, man, he's got a box seat. Right, this guy's up in the stalls, right? And he's up there and he's looking right there. And Jesus is coming closer, closer. This is it. Almost here, closer, closer. Here he comes. He's going to have a look. And this moment was crazy. Because in the actual words here, when Jesus was about to pass that way, it says this in verse 5. The actual word in the Greek language is incredible. It, says when, it doesn't just say when Jesus came to that spot. It says this, when Jesus came to that exact spot, very purposeful. And there comes Zacchaeus. There, there's Zacchaeus. And there comes Jesus. And when Jesus comes to that exact spot, Zacchaeus is there. He's like, here he is. He's going to get the glimpse. He stopped. And everyone's there like, <laughs> like, why has he stopped? And that moment is unbelievable. Because there is Jesus. He is stopped right under. And Zacchaeus is like, I've got the best view ever. He's stopped. Right? This is a big moment. And at that moment, people are already going, why has Jesus stopped? But then that moment is unbelievable because what happens next is when Jesus came to that exact place, Jesus looked up and he looked into the tree and he says this word. Now I want you to know, and now that you know all the stuff about history, I want you to get the feel of this. He looks into the tree and he looks up through the leaves and he says, Zacchaeus, and everyone's like... Right. Everyone's like spitting, right? And it's like, what did he say? Did he even say his name? And then they look up in the tree and Zacchaeus, imagine how Zacchaeus is feeling. He's up the tree and he's like, there's another Zacchaeus in the tree? You're like, what is going on? And there it is, that moment when he says the name Zacchaeus 
And everyone's like spitting and they can't believe it. They're like, did he even say that name? And then they look at the tree and there's the keys and they go, I can't believe it. Not only has he said the swear word name, he's now talking to him. And he says, and everyone's like, I can't believe he's even talking to him. And then, if that is not shocking enough, he looks up and he says this to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, hurry up. Come down out of the tree because today I'm sleeping at your house. And everyone has now run out of spit (laughs) because this is just unheard of. What on earth is going on? Jesus is not only talking to him, Jesus is saying, I'm coming over to your house. I don't know what your culture is like, but I can tell you a little bit about Asian culture, which is um, similar to a lot of you know, ethnic cultures, actually. Um, you know, how do I explain it? About going into people's houses. I think Western culture is probably similar too. But like, if I wanted to hang out with you afterwards, right, and I wanted to kind of be friends with you, I've got a couple of options, right, as an Asian man. I can go out and take you down to the local... I can take you out to Yamcha, right? I'll take you to Yamcha, we'll have some fun, I'll buy you some dumplings buy some unidentifiable objects, <laughs> call them delicacies, and uh, make you eat them, and then we like, have some fun, have a laugh, and we're friends, we'll be fine, we'll move on, we'll have a great time, we'll move on. Or I can bring you to my home. Now, if I t- apart from the fact that it'll cost you a lot of money on the way, <laughs> the tolls, but no, if I bring you to my home, I'll tell you what happens. In Asian culture, if I keep you into my home, there's a connection that is very, very deep. I'm not saying like, hey, nice to hang out. I'm saying, come in, you're basically family. Which is why Asians, anyone been to an Asian house before? What's the first thing you do with your shoes? Take them off, right? You take your shoes off when you go in. It's kind of like, be comfortable here. This is your house. You know? And you take your shoes off. And if you're in a really, really, really... Any, any Asians in the house here? Where are my Asians and friends now? There we go. You know, there we go. So you know if you're in a really Asian house, you know, uh, when you, you'd have slippers. And so, right, these little slippers. And you kind of have to now put the slippers on. And you kind of go, oh, okay, great. Put these slippers on. They've you know, probably got like Pikachu on them. And you're kind of walking around. And, and you're walking around these slippers. And you're like, come on, like, wear my slippers. Wear my stuff. That's coming. And this is, this is what you do for a guest. This is not just like you. This is what happens in Asian households. Um, that, that, that kind of thing was very, very similar and in that time. And when Jesus is saying, I'm coming to your house, he's not just saying, I need somewhere to stay. You got, you got any beds? He's saying this. He's saying this. I am wanting to be part of your family. He's saying, I want to accept you and I want you to accept me. And he's, I don't want to just be an acquaintance. I don't want to be someone who just walks past and you have a quick look down and I pass by through your life. I want to have a relationship with you. And that is what is happening to Jesus when he said, inside Jesus, when he's saying that to Zacchaeus. And so I want to ask you, do you understand what this means? To see that happening today. Because you see, the first thing is this. You need to understand this. That every time, every single time, when it comes to coming to know more about Jesus, it's always Jesus taking the first step. It's always Jesus taking the first step. And I think maybe today some of you right now are kind of going, you know what, I'm happily hiding here. I'm up a tree right now, or equivalent of a tree. I'm just happily hiding in the pews, in the little rows there. And it's kind of quite dark, so I can't really see you anyway because the light's in my eyes. But you're like, no one can really see me. Wrong. God sees you. He knows everything about you. And today he's saying this, don't let this Sunday be a day where you just let me walk past you. He's saying this, I want in on your life. I want in on your life and I want more of it. I want all of it and I want it today. And who's he looking for as he walks, as it were, 
up and down these rows. Who's he looking for? Now, let me tell you this. I'm about to say a word of who he's looking for, and I'm going to tell you straight up that I've started to notice something, because I do this for, what I do now for, uh, for, a, for a job, I guess, is, apart, I, I mean, I live by faith, and so what I'm doing is, Naomi and I, we kind of live off just whatever God brings us, and we go around and we just talk about Jesus everywhere. My job is to go around, I just kind of go to different churches and different cities and just speak about Jesus, do this all the time. And I'm going to tell you this, you know what? I've noticed something now, I've only been doing it for like about two years. You know what I've noticed? I've noticed every single time I get to this point, not just with this talk, but any time I'm talking about Jesus, I get to this next word, I can actually now almost physically see it. People tune out. I'm about to tell you it. So I'm now just going to call it. I'm telling you, right now, some people tune out. I'll tell you who Jesus is looking for. He's looking for sinners. Some of you right now, you said the sin word, I'm out. Check out. I'll tell you straight up again, don't check out. He's looking for people who are out of relationship with him, who are not living God's ways, who aren't pure and good and sorted all out. He's looking for messed up people. He's looking for people who are saying, you know what, I need help. I want to put my life together. He's looking for those kind of words, those kind of people. He's looking for sinners. And you know what is so crazy? The reason why people tune out at this point, and some of you are really resisting that temptation now, I can feel you. The reason why we tune out is because none of us like to think of ourselves like that. That's the reason. I don't. None of us want to look at our lives and go, look, you know what, we're not, we haven't got it all together. Because you know why we spend our whole life projecting to other people that we've got it all together? But the, the, the biggest and most important first step when it comes to getting to know Jesus more, when it comes to engaging with Christianity, is realizing that I can't put that on. I can't pretend. Do you want to know something that is absolutely mind-blowing? You know what, Zacchaeus' name. Guess what Zacchaeus, you won't believe this. Guess what Zacchaeus' name actually means in the original language in the Greek? Anyone want to know? Anyone know? Zacchaeus' name in the original language means this. It translates as pure and innocent one. You're meant to laugh. It's ridiculous. Do you see that? Can you imagine? People would go up to him and they'd be like, you know, at the tax collection booth, he'd be like, I'll take your money, thanks. And we're like, you know, he'd, he'd be like, hi, my name is Pure and Innocent. Let me give me your money. Right? Pure and Innocent. I mean, right now, that is ridiculous. Like, you know, if Donald Trump turned his name right now to Pure and Innocent Trump, right? You'd be like, what are you doing? Right? None of us would ever think that would be ridiculous. But what about you? And you'd be thinking, that's ridiculous. I mean, none of us call us, we don't call ourselves, hey, my name's. I'm all right, you know? What do we say? We don't do that, or do we? We don't call ourselves up by name, but don't we all just go through life all the time, constantly telling ourselves I'm all right? Constantly saying, you know what, you know what, I'm not that great, but at least I'm better than some of them people. I'm not as good as them, but I'm over here. And we're constantly comparing ourselves. Isn't our Facebook feed and Instagram feed full of us telling, telling everyone else that we're all right? And Jesus is saying, I'm not looking for those people. Jesus is saying this, I'm looking for people here today at Anchor Church who are sitting in these chairs who are saying, I'm not all right. I need help. I want to, have, I want to get that fixed up. He's looking for people to be vulnerable and honest in that. And I want to ask you, is that, your, is that you today? Or are you going to be someone who, I'm sorry to use a strong word, I apologize, but just, are, we someone, are we going to be someone like who, who deludes ourselves? You know, there's a classic story of, um, that happened in the 1930s. And um, there was this um, American football team. And 
it's, you can find it on the internet. It's unbelievable. What happened was, this American, I think it was San Francisco or something, they used to have this thing in this, in this oval, and they'd have this hill next to their home ground, and they had a tradition. They'd always get up the top, and they'd be in this big huddle in their uniforms, and they'd, kind of, they'd be like, and they'd do some big kind of chant, and the lights would be on the, on the hill, and when everyone saw their red, red uniforms go up there on the top of that hill, they'd be like, here comes our home team, and they'd be like chanting and yelling because they were wearing all the uniforms, and they'd run down the hill on the home ground, and the home ground would go crazy and high-five them and everything and go nuts about them. You know, one day they a bunch of university pranksters. Well, it was one of the most famous kind of pranks in history. They were pretty gutsy. They, I think something had happened to the other team and they were delayed or something. And what they did was, well, they delayed the other team, the actual team, and they got all the uniforms, same uniforms, and they put them on. And they went up and up the hill and they did the same chant. And what was incredible was this. <coughs> they chanted and did that whole thing and they ran <coughs> down into the stadium and the crowd went wild, right? The crowd was like, here they come. They were high-fiving and no one even cared to even look underneath their helmets and just realize they're a bunch of uni students. And what happens, they're coming down, everyone's like, yeah! And they were just nuts. They came in until the, uh, they lasted for 15 minutes running around the Oval, just high-fiving everyone. To, and, and no one actually knew who they were until someone tipped them off and then the police came and locked them away for the night. <laughs> Escorted them off the field. I've got some good news and bad news. Here's the good news. If you are someone here today and you've got the Christian uniform on. You know what I mean by that? You can play the game, you can sing the songs, you can do your thing. But you know deep down that you're not really in a relationship with God yet. Here's the good news. There's no pastors going to escort you out today. <laughs> right? Matt and Brian, they're not going to go at you. Go. They don't have a clue, that's why. They may have indications, but they don't know. I guess here's the bad news. God already does. It's also good news. Because you can't hide from him. He knows your heart. He knows my heart. And he wants a relationship with you. And you know what Zacchaeus did? When Zacchaeus came out of that tree, what did he do? What did he do? He came down straight away. Immediately when Jesus said, come down, Jesus, Zacchaeus came down the tree. And what did he do? He straight away caught him. He's, Zacchaeus, what happened? He came down and everyone said, I can't. They started to complain. He's gone to lodge with a sinful man. He, but, but Zacchaeus came down and what? Welcomed Jesus joyfully. And then what? He stood there publicly. In other words, public's quite important. He didn't hide it. He was, didn't be shameful. He just got up in front of everyone and he said this. And he called Jesus one name. He said this, Lord, Lord, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anyone of anything, I'll pay back four times as much. And Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house. Zacchaeus gave his life to the Lord and he said this, Lord, in other words, I put everything under your feet. Where are you at with that? Is Jesus your Lord? My question for you today, Anchor Church, is this, and the visitors and guests, is this, have you put everything under the Lordship of Jesus? Are you holding anything from me? Are you saying, look, I'm going to do this part of life, but I'm not going to give this bit, or not my, my time, or my energy, or my money, or my identity. I'll give you this bit, but not all of it. Because Jesus wants all of it and Zacchaeus called him Lord. And I want to ask you today, is that you? Is there someone here today who is stopping short? Is there someone in this period today who is stopping short of giving their all to Jesus and calling him Lord? I don't know who it is. Is that you? Then you're here for that. I want to ask you, what is stopping you today? Giving your life to him. Because I want to tell you that if you make that decision, it's the best decision you've ever made. You know, just if you flip back in the Bible, a few, just two pages or so, Jesus tells a story. And guess what it is? I'm going to say how your Bible knowledge goes. It's crazy. Just two, a page or so before this, 
Zacchaeus story, he tells a story about a rich young ruler. Anyone know what that? Put your hand up if you've heard that story before. Yeah, a rich young ruler. Do you know what, that, what he says? A rich young guy says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, um, you know, essentially says, give away, your, give away everything you've got to the poor, give your whole life to him. And the guy walks away sad because he realized he couldn't do that. And you know what Jesus said? He was going after what he was holding him back from Jesus, which is his richness. And you know what happened? Jesus said this line. Let's, see, let's test your Bible knowledge. He said this, you know, it's so hard for a, a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's harder than a what? Than a camel entering the eye of a needle. And you think, that's just a crazy statement. And then what happens a page later? Whoops. A camel just went through the eye of the needle. That's the case. And you might today be going, there's no way I can give my whole life. It's not that. But maybe today some of you are going to go through the eye of a needle. Because I'm going to tell you this as I finish up and as I get the musos on. I'm going to tell you this. Today, it's so weird being a, being a preacher. I'm going to be honest. I didn't plan on saying this. It's so weird being a preacher when I get to tell people about Jesus. Do you know why? Because I know it's not like selling something where if I do my best selling something, then maybe you'll buy it. The truth is this. God's already knocking on some of your, on the doors of your heart. He's the true one that will draw you to Him. It's got kind of nothing to do with where I'm at. And I want to say to you this. If Jesus is right now knocking on your door, you know who it is. And if He's right now drawing you towards Him and saying, I want all of your life, you'll know it's you. And you won't be able to resist that. Because I'll tell you, Zacchaeus climbed up a tree, but Jesus climbed up a very different kind of tree, didn't He? It was Jesus who climbed up a tree. It was a Roman wooden cross. And what Jesus did was, he climbed up it. And you might think, that's a funny way of putting it, because wasn't he put on there? Wasn't he dragged on there? Wasn't he beaten on there? Yes, he was, but I'll tell you what, he climbed up there. Because he could have commanded all the angels in a second to rescue him, to do whatever he wanted. But he climbed up there because he went up onto that cross. He went up there, he did that purposefully, and he went up there and he went the hand, nails in his hands and nails in his feet, and he climbed up that tree and he stayed on that tree and he did that for you. And he did that for you, and he did that for you. And he stayed on there and he said, this is what I'm doing because I want to come to your house today. And I want to ask you today, is that you? Are you someone here today who knows that Jesus wants to move into your house. And when I say move in, I don't mean just kind of knock on the outside of the door. I mean really come in. I mean shoes off and all. But more than that, I mean He wants to come in. He wants to take over the master bedroom. He wants to renovate the whole house. He wants all of it, not just the little living room. He wants the whole thing. He wants to be Lord of your life. And so I want to ask you today, if that's you, would you not delay in responding? Would you hurry up and come down the tree? Because Jesus might have stopped under your tree today. And I don't know what seat you're in, but if that's you, you'll know. As I finish, I'm just going to tell you that um, when I was getting ready for this talk, I was really, you know, I, I'll be honest, man, I didn't expect to be so honest with you today about all these things, but I was just feeling really, I was feeling a bit out of it, actually, a bit down about it. And um, at night time, when I put the boys to bed, actually, the girls are already asleep, but I had my eight-year-old and six-year-old boy. And it was really beautiful, actually. I don't know how they can tell this sometimes, but they, they said, Daddy, what's wrong? I said, what, really? I thought I'm doing, I just read you the storybook and isn't it normal? And they said, no, what's wrong? I said, oh, well, they've, they've picked it, that something's bothering me. So I said, I'll, all right, I'll tell you. They said, oh, I'm a bit worried about the, the talk I'm giving. This is the key talk I'm giving. 
And they said, why are you worried about that? And I thought about it, and I said, well, I think the actual truth is I really am worried because I said, I really think I'm going to get to the end of the talk, and I really believe that people need to give their life to Jesus. the best decision they could ever make. But I think some people won't. And Jacob, the six-year-old, was very cute, and he's he's a very practical kind of guy. He said, that's all right, Dad. He said, just tell him that if they don't choose, they're going to miss out and never have a chance ever again. I said, well, that's technically not right, but uh, thank you for the help. (laughs) And my eight-year-old then said, Daddy, and I wrote it down, you tell them to decide, and to decide actually on that day, and tell them that it's the best choice they can ever make, And if they don't think so, don't worry, God will tell them anyway. I want to tell you today, giving your life to Jesus is the best choice you can ever make, in the words of an eight-year-old. There is no decision that you can make that is better than that one. And right now, there's some of you who are thinking, look, this would be really embarrassing if I gave my life to Jesus today, because you know what, I've been going along for church for ages, and the people around me, no, forget all that. This is Jesus saying, welcome me today. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get everyone pleased to bow their heads and close their eyes. I mean everybody. And um, I want to do something that's a bit unusual, but only I just want to tell you, only I'm going to see this and, and um, a couple of pastors are going to see this. But just, I want to know if there's anyone here today who God is prompting to give their life to Jesus, perhaps for the first time or perhaps the first time you've ever really meant it. If that's you today, I want to see your hand right up right now. And only I'm going to see that and it passes around. So let me see that if that's you today. If that's you and you need to give your life to Jesus, just pop your hand up right now. I see you there on the left. That's great, mate. Wonderful. Keep your hand up. Keep others coming up too. Keep your hand up, bro. I can see you. That's great. Anyone else who really believes that they need to give their life um, to, to the Lord today? Yep. Anyone else? Keep your hands up now as they're coming up. I can see you as they come. Keep them up nice and high. Thanks. It'd be great. If you really believe that's you today and you think God's spoken to you, I want you to keep your hand up and I'm going to lead you guys in a prayer. It's great to see that. Yep, I can see you up, up here in the front. That's great. Thanks for putting your hand up. God bless you. It's great. I pray, pray that God's going to work in your life. So I can see your hands up both on the left side and the right side. Is there anyone else coming up today? If there is, now's the time to do it and I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Don't delay. Yep, I can see you there, mate. That's good. Thanks for putting your hand up. It's in the back there on the left, on the middle on the left. That's great. And there's also in the, on the right-hand side in the second back row. Gotcha. Keep your head, hands up. Everyone else's eyes closed, please. This is a great thing for a lot of people in this room at the moment. Keep your hands up. And I'm going to lead those guys who've got your hands up. Maybe your hands up or maybe your hands just up in your heart right now. And I want you to pray this prayer after me. Echo this to God. Dear God, I'm sorry for living life my own way. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Please help me to follow you with all of my life. I give my whole life to you, and I want you as my Lord. You can put your hands down now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.